This is a Stroud Short Stories podcast. Stroud Short Stories is an independent twice yearly short story event. I'm organiser John Holland and today I'm bringing you a story from a past event. The story is The Journey to Everywhere by Joanna Campbell from the May 2018 event on pulling newts from ponds and other stories. Joanna's exasperated maths teacher warned her she'd achieve nothing if she kept living in a world of her own. She ignored the warning and continued failing to balance her equations. Published extensively in print and online and a multiple prize-winning short story author, Joanna's collection, When Planets Slip Their Tracks, was published by Ink Tears in 2016. Joanna lives in Bisley. Bob Vole knew his meat. Busy hanging a fresh side of pig in the window, the sun was flashing in his eyes, and the hog swinging wild and free when Hilary Hannaford glided across the square. Bob brushed flecks of paper parsley from his apron. His boater slid off, thudding into the lamb's liver. He looked up again, and there she was at his window, peering at the mints. She was a straight-laced librarian, yet secretly starving for love, was Hilary. Two women in one. He was proud of this thought, which had arrived yesterday, unbidden, while he boiled his aprons. Like Hilary, he'd never married, but he knew about flesh and bone. He knew the ways of it. There were people whose hearts were bursting with savoury stuffing. Hilary cloaked herself in grey, demure to her ankles. She wore a pale carnation, but her heart throbbed scarlet and shiny beneath, like a good ox heart, tough, full of flavour. She saw Bob looking and veered in a diagonal to the haberdashery, gazing at ribbons and cards of elastic. Her skirt swished as she turned. Her cheek was tinted a delicate rose. He caught a glimpse of the tiny, sun-brightened hairs on her skin, like the whiskers on a lightly roasted strip of crackling. Mrs Amberthorth bustled in for her kidneys and told him the news. She had come from the library with her week's worth of novels, where she had discovered this was Hilary's last day as deputy, after 30 years. Bob handed over her kidneys in silence. Mrs Amberforth squashed the bloody parcel into her basket next to villains and victims. Early retirement, do you think, Mr Vole? I couldn't get anything out of Mr Fetching, tight-lipped as always, as if I were a bluebottle asking to swim in his coffee. She wants a quiet life, I suppose. Mind you, she's always been a mouse, hasn't she, Mr Vole? Bob was craning his neck to follow Hilary's progress. She was uncharacteristically late for the library. Mr Fetching would be pouting at the clock, sweeping past the returns trolleys and frowning as he stamped the books himself. Yet Hilary made no attempt to hurry today. She stooped to speak to a small boy, reluctant to hold his mother's hand. The child was turning purple with fury. Hilary knelt, her skirt spreading in a perfect circle on the ground, and pressed a coin into the boy's palm. Bob read her lips. Lollipop. Bob mouthed the word silently, several times. He could taste the flavour of red fruit on his tongue. 
he looped Mrs. Amberforth's sausages into a fat stack and stood there with them in his hand, watching Hilary unfurl and walk in yet another different direction, this time towards Tyndall's travel. She was intent on Tyndall's window, her carnation touching the glass, her breath clouding it. Bob stared, transferring the sausages from one hand to the other. Can you pass over those chipolatas, Mr. Vole? He'd forgotten Mrs. Amberforth. Mr. Tyndall was poking out of his door like a curious tortoise, cupping Hillary's elbow, leaning close, his shiny polyester lapels brushing against her velveteen. As he steered her into his mean little shop, the broken blind askance, the the sun-bleached posters curling, the sun slipped away. Bob was sweating, the sausages oozing in his grip. He straightened his boater. He rummaged behind him, ripping apart the ties of his apron. He flung it across the blood-stained chopping block. Jowls quivering, he struggled past his astonished customer and abandoned his shop for the first time in 30 years. Mrs Amberforth bustled off to set Chinese whispers rippling through the square until her story had Bob vaulting across his meat display, brandishing a cleaver. Bob strode to Tyndall's travel like a hunter with a gun, except he held a pound of best pork, lightly seasoned with sage. At the window, he stopped. Years ago, Tyndall's posters had shown sand the colour of egg yolk and see the indigo of a baby's eyes. But Tyndall had let them fade to fawn and milky blue. He'd tried to dress things up with a paper flower garland and a wine glass bristling with cocktail umbrellas. But the display didn't compare with Bob's rack of lamb, stiff with cutlet frills. Although he'd never fancied abroad, never been far beyond the square in all his life, Bob once dreamed the same dream, for four consecutive nights. He was on a tropical island, a rum punch beside him. Always the same swathe of white sand, the same boundless ocean creeping up the beach in lacework frills that kissed his bare toes. Bob peered through the slats of the blind and saw Tyndall's arm coiled around Hillary, fingers snaking over her shoulders. He marched in, slammed his sausages down as Tyndall gave Hillary a wallet stuffed with papers and marked travel documents. The six-month itinerary, he assured her, had been arranged with the utmost care and attention. Bob backed out. He stood in the centre of the square, hotter and pinker than Danish salami, loosening his collar. Hillary on a voyage just as he was plucking up the courage to invite her to dinner at the slanting partridge. Tyndall had actually called her Hillary. Bob couldn't bear to think of her soft voice saying Peregrine. Surely her next stop would be the library. She was overdue. Mr Fetching would fine her. At five past five, would she still come in for her rashers, Bob's best, already wrapped in greaseproof? There she was gliding across to the post office. That meant travellers' checks or foreign currency. A six-month trip meant abroad, Bob was sure. Hillary wasn't walking along. She was shimmying. She might skip the bacon, have pasta or some other exotic dish for her tea, 
put herself in the right mood for France or wherever she was going. Bob had thought their interests dovetailed, but her sights were clearly set differently from his. Maybe she was more than two women, and they were all slipping away from him. She might never come back. The colours of his dreams blazed again. Miss Hannaford, he strode towards her and clasped both her hands. They felt like lilies. This was Bob's moment. It felt like the first time he'd used his triple riveted knives, drawing each one in size order from the block, as tenderly as a midwife delivering a baby. His tropical vision flooded back into his head, and this time he envisioned more than himself. This time Hilary sat beside him, holding a worthy book and a slice of pineapple. She reached across and fed him a bite of the fruit. The thought gave him the courage to ask about her travel plans, pointing at the documents in her hand. Impressed with his interest, Hilary unfolded her map. She guided him to a bench bathed in the weak morning sunshine and extended the map across them both. On his meaty legs and her dainty ones, it sloped rather, but it felt as good as his spot in the Caribbean sun. Just picture it, Mr. Vole. The sugar birds of Guadeloupe, the silver minnows of Santa Fe, the Alaskan caribou, the Tallulah River of Georgia, the Marmalada Mountain of Italy, Dolomites, I think. I had a yellow one of those in my youth, Miss Hannaford, twin headlamps. Then there's the red-necked ostrich of North Africa. Good meat, that ostrich. As Hilary traced the route with her finger, with Bob following every inch, shadows fell over them. Mrs Amberforth and Mr Fetching, one in a state of suspense and the other without the essentials for her toad in the hole. With a shout of triumph, Mr Fetching squeezed between Bob and Hilary, then poured over the map, waxing lyrical about rafting in the Smokies. Was he going with her? Him in his pinstripes and pocket watch, and her holding her long skirts out of the foaming water. They started talking about broadening horizons, bursting through boundaries. Broadening? Bursting? On a ticket from Tyndall's? His little mouse Hilary? How many women was she, for heaven's sake? Your last day as deputy for a bit then, Hilary? Mrs Amberforth asked. Indeed, replied Hilary. So you'll be in full charge while Mr Fetching goes on his voyage of discovery? Bob spun Hilary to face him. Does this mean you're on a journey to nowhere then, my dear Miss Hannaford? Oh, not really. I'm always travelling, my dear Mr Vole, always. Bob gulped. Mr Vole, my journey is via the printed page. Books take me everywhere I want to go. In answer to his next question, she agreed to stroll a little further than the square later on. Yes, possibly as far as the slanting partridge. Once she'd been home to put his most reliable lean bacon in her fridge. And they linked arms to begin their short trips back to work. That was... The Journey to Everywhere by Joanna Campbell from the May 2018 event on pulling newts from ponds and other stories. This story was mentioned in the foreword to the anthology The Best British Short Stories 2019. It is published along with 56 other stories by Gloucestershire authors in our anthology, Stroud Short Stories 
2015-18. to It is available from all good bookshops and Amazon in paperback and Kindle editions. The next Stroud Short Stories event is on Sunday the 10th of November at the Cotswold Playhouse in Parliament Street, Stroud. Why not come along to the event and hear 10 Gloucestershire authors reading their stories? Tickets priced at £8 are on sale from the Cotswold Playhouse website from Friday the 11th of October. I'm grateful to Laura Bing for recording, producing and broadcasting the podcast and for Ed Holland for the music.